Our reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 6, reading from verse 13. The certainty of God's promise. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no greater for him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely be surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. Men swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what it is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his promise very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope offered to us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain, where Jesus, who went before us, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Thank you. Um, so let's all please welcome uh, Mary Patterson. Welcome. How do you do? <laughs> um, introduce yourself uh, uh, quickly. I, and again, I'm not sure if, if anyone doesn't know who you are, but... Um, I'm Mary Patterson. I'm mother of four, teacher at Ellen Primary, session clerk. Um, does that just about sum me up, I think, maybe? <laughs> um, loud, often, when I probably shouldn't be, um, and maybe quiet when I should be loud sometimes. So, um, does that make me sound enigmatic enough, you know? Yeah, very Am mysterious. Oh, mysterious, that's what I'm that. going for. So, um, how would you describe the past kind of year and a half for you? Um, hectic. Really hectic. Mm -hmm. um, when we went into the first lockdown and we had to do all this online learning, I should have added technophobe, by the way, to describe me. Um, I'm okay with computers as long as they're doing what they're told. But as soon as they don't do what they're told, and immediately, um, then I panic. And it was sort of a standing joke in our house. Bevan was teaching in Dumfries on her probationary year when we went into the first lockdown. And when she came sort of dashing back up the road to be with her mammy, um, the subject of board came up, you know. And she was offered two figures. So she could pay that amount, and I would cook and clean and do everything that, of course, I always do. Um, or she could pay that amount, and I got unlimited tech support. <laughs> so <laughs> naturally, she went for the lower amount. But I bet she regretted it, because, you know, at, at 2 o'clock in the morning, there would be this cry of, I can't get this video to load, or, you know, something along those lines. So that was hectic. A, a lot of 
learning about the technical side of things. Um, mm -hmm. And I really, really, it, it, online learning is an awful lot more stressful than being in a class. Because um, you've still to go make everything engaging, but without my wonderful personality there to do it, you know. Um, <laughs> so, so there was that, so there was that. And then, of course, we decided to set up the, the neighbourhoods of care um, right at the start of the first lockdown. And that was hectic because it was a, it was a sort of three quarters formed plan. Mm -hmm. um, but we hadn't at that point asked anybody to be a named contact person and we hadn't told them what the job would involve or any of those sorts of things. So that had to be done. Mm -hmm. uh, and then on top of that, there was, you know, housework and, and stuff like that, the boring stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I fairly hectic, I would say. Yeah. Fairly hectic. The holidays were a blessed relief that mm -hmm. year. I'll tell you what was good that year though, was that I'd had that class. The first time we went into lockdown, I'd had that class for effectively three quarters of the year and we'd done a shed load of stuff that we would have done normally like the Shakespeare Schools Festival. So I felt that I had a really good connection with them. Mm -hmm. So that was quite good to you know, keep that up. The second lot was different different because we'd only had half a year together. They were a much bigger class. We hadn't had, you know, some of the f the relationship forming stuff that we would have normally had. Mm -hmm. So that was harder. But yeah, hectic both times. Yeah. How do you think the kids coped in lockdown, both like your students and, and students in the school all ages? I think, and this is going totally against the grain, but I think a lot of kids coped an awful lot better mm -hmm. than we give them credit for. There's been a lot in the press, you know, about um, pupils who become disenchanted with their learning because, uh, or, or just totally non-engaging. And it would be lying to say that there weren't some who did that, that of course, some pupils didn't engage. Some didn't engage because of problems with the technology. Some didn't engage because they didn't get the support at home mm -hmm. to, to keep them engaged. Some didn't engage because they just thought, nah, maybe in this. Um, <laughs> but in the main, a lot of our pupils, wh whether they engaged with the learning or not, they coped very well. Kids are, are far more resilient than I think we give them credit for. And that's not to say that they don't suffer and they don't feel and they don't worry and, and all the rest of those things. But I think they come out the other side with a, a sort of naturally maybe more positive attitude mm -hmm. than a lot of grown-ups did. Mm -hmm. Do you know, you say to, to grown-ups, we're going into lockdown and that's dire. And you say to kids, you've got a term off school and they go, hey, <laughs> you know. So um, I, I, think, I think in the main, mm -hmm. kids c coped an awful lot better than, as I say, we give them credit for. Mm -hmm. Is that right, Lelena? Oh, she's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what, what's been your uh, favorite EPC online thing during the lockdown, kind of online worship and prayers and, and all of that sort of stuff? I really liked, I was, I'm going to call it the Saturday Sermon, but it wasn't a sermon. I cannot remember the proper name for it. The Saturday I, Space. Saturday that, Space, yeah. that's <laughs> the one, thank you. Mm -hmm. I really liked it because a lot of it was quite sort of, what would you say, educational. And that makes me sound very sort of uh, stereotyped, but it was good. You know, sometimes Alistair told you about the background to a hymn or, mm -hmm. you know, stuff like that. So I really enjoyed just sitting and, and learning um, those sorts of things. I think that was, 
that was one of my favourites. I enjoyed um, the Tuesday and Thursday sung worship. I enjoyed them. Mm -hmm. um, I got frustrated sometimes on a Sunday because I would watch Alistair walking for miles and thinking, where's he at? <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, but no, I, I did really enjoy the Saturday space. That was probably my favourite. Mm -hmm. And I got to go to Friday prayers, actually, in lockdown, which oh. is something that I haven't done physically. Mm -hmm. But the fact, because of, you know, having to get to school and so on and so forth. So being able to sort of join in with that, that was good. Yeah. That was good. Mm -hmm. um, your first hymn that, um, that we're going to sing is, Will Your Anchor Hold? And, and I think for those who know you will wonder where in the world this hymn is coming I know. From. My girls went, yeah. that's the boys' brigade hymn, mother. <laughs> um, and she's terrified, Dennis, that she plays it wrong, so be kind to her. <laughs> um, when I was 17, my dad uh, became ill with cancer, and um, it was horrible, because he, he didn't go to the doctor for a long time, and um, he had a, a, a huge operation, and, and, and you've got to remember that this was 1977-78, so it's a long mm -hmm. time ago, um, and uh, he came home from hospital, he was very weak, he was very ill, he desperately wanted to be at home, and so on. And round about the February time, um, mm -hmm. he was really ill one Friday. And my mum had phoned the doctor during the night and so on. And she came through to our bedroom. So I shared a room with my little sister. She came through to our bedroom after the doctor had left. And she was in floods of tears. Because that was the first time that she'd been told that dad's illness was terminal. Mm -hmm. And there was a sort of unwritten pact between the two of us that we would go to church on the Sunday. So we'll go up. And this is Bolhelvy Church. Um, and Bilhelvi doesn't have a boys' brigade company or anything, or didn't then. And this was the first time that I ever remember singing this hymn. Um, and for those of you who know it, you'll know that the verses are made up of loads of questions. You know, will your anchor hold in the storms of life and so on? And that those questions were what stuck in my head at that point. Not the certainty of the chorus because the chorus is you know we have an anchor and all mm -hmm. that but that didn't stick with me the questions were what was in my head at the time and mum and I cried our way through the hymn and I cried for the rest of the service quite quietly and unrestrainedly but um but I think we both came out of there different mm -hmm. because of this hymn and I think mum came out probably stronger and I came out Nay, weaker, but definitely more questioning. Mm -hmm. okay. thank, thank you for, for sharing that with us. Um, so we'll, we'll sing now um, as Ashley and Bevan lead us in Will Your Anchor Hold? So uh, I think you've hinted a bit about this by, by talking about heading to church when you were young, but um, was faith part of your life growing up, or, or maybe better, what part of your life was, was faith while you were growing up? Um, I went every Sunday to Sunday school at Bulhelvy at that time. There was quite a big Sunday school, I suppose. Almost as many kids as went to the, to the primary school went to Sunday school. Mm -hmm. And there would be this wee chain, so Bella and Gladys, you can tell I'm a child of the 60s, can't you? But <laughs> Bella and Gladys would start up at Overhill and then they would pick up 
um, Helen and Linda and Shirley and Frida, and then they would pick up Karen, and then they would come and pick up me and my little sister. Mm -hmm. And we would all walk to church together in our, you know, our posh jackets and our straw hats in the summer and, and all the rest of it. Um, and although looking, you know, when I, at the time, if I'm honest, mm -hmm. um, it was something to do to fill up the morning, do you know, between mm -hmm. getting up and feeding the hens and waiting for the ice cream van, which came just before lunchtime. Um, <laughs> but thinking about it now, you know, I realize I'm actually quite lucky to have had that, because we went for seven years, we went for the whole primary one to primary seven, um, went for the whole seven years, and it was a very sort of traditional primary school, you know, you all sat in, in your, your pews according to your, to your age, you had your teacher for the year, um, we sang hymns, we, the primary sevens always did the reading, you know, a verse at a time, they went along the row, um, and we did all that. But it gave me such a good grounding, you know, in, in faith, in the Bible. Um, there, were, there were some memories of it, you know, that just stay with you forever. Mm -hmm. um, Easter time was always, our minister, the Reverend David Stewart Forsyth, his name was, um, mm -hmm. at Easter time, we always did this thing where we sang, not hymns, but what you used to call praise items. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the ones that has always stuck in my head is, we will make you fishers of men. And I don't know if anybody else remembers that one. I'm not going to sing it to you, you'll be pleased <laughs> to hear. Um, but that, you know, looking back, that mm -hmm. was a really important lesson to learn, I think, you know, that... Mm -hmm. And all of those sort of things, you know, s stuck with me. So I had that, that, you know, absolute grounding and maybe not so much in why I should believe, but why other people did believe and the things that they believed. So that was, you know, a, a fairly big part. And then um, that took me right through, I suppose, till, you know, when, when dad died. Mm -hmm. um, and that was a more questioning and more difficult time. Yeah. So was there ever a, a shift for you from, from church and faith being kind of the thing you did to, to being more personal to you, something that you chose? I think when I was at university, there were all these, you know, folk in, I'm going to be really, in scripture union, you know, who were always after your soul sort of style. <laughs> um, and one of my friends married one of them, so I shouldn't be so, so uh, derogatory about it. But um, I think at the time when Bill and I got married, I think then I realized it was really important that I said my vows, not just in front of, you know, friends and family, but also in front of God. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a time when I sort of went back if you like. I don't suppose I'd ever really left the church, but you know, you, as I say, after dad died, I found it really difficult. And I suppose because that was the first really close bereavement that I'd suffered, you know, and, and I think that is a time that you question. If, yeah. if your faith's nay that strong, that's when you question. If your faith is really strong, then that's when, you know, it, it's a huge help to you. Um, but I suppose because my faith was sort of wobbly, um, that made me question. As I say, coming back to church, to get married, that seemed really important, and then mm -hmm. staying in church after that. Okay. Um, so this next song is, Lord, You Have Come to the Seashore. Um, talk about this hymn a bit, and why you've picked it, and what it means to you. 
the first couple of times we sang this hymn in church, and I've nagged at Bevan about this, folk couldn't have fit in the words of the second verse, and it really amused me, because I could. Um, <laughs> but it was a hymn that we sang maybe just two or three times, and then when, when we got ordained as elders, Karen and, and Eddie and myself and so on, um, we each got to choose a hymn. And this is the one that I chose then. Um, Bevan says it's got a really meh, um, tune, but I think the words are really good. Mm -hmm. um, it, it asks us to follow. It accepts that we can't offer that much. Will you accept then my nets and labor? Mm -hmm. It says, and that's all that we can offer, really. Um, but if we offer that, then we're offering everything. And I like that in the chorus it says, you know, gently smiling, you have spoken my name, so that. You know, the call to faith is not a sort of blanket, oi, you lot sort of thing. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a personal thing that, you know, God calls each of us by name um, to follow. And I think that, that's, that's what I like so much about this hymn. And I think that's why it was so special, you know, on that particular Sunday to yeah. sing it um, mm -hmm. at, at the ordination. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so let us now um, take a few moments and sing together, Lord, you have come to the seashore. Ron, that's one of my funeral hymns. <laughs> that's the next sermon series we'll do. We'll get everyone to pick their funeral hymns. So how does, how does the church help to nurture your faith? Um, I think... I think, obviously, that if you want church to nurture your faith, you've got to be actively looking for that nourishment. I think it's okay, you know, um, you could rock up here on a Sunday, sit, sing, pray, you know, listen to the Bible stories, and get nothing out of it, if, mm -hmm. if, if that's how you feel. But I think if you, if, you, if you want to be nurtured in your faith, then you have to, you know, seek out, as I say, seek out that nourishment. So you've got to be active in your faith, I think. You've got to be willing to you know, take on board what you're being told in the sermon. You've got to be willing to um, act on that. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that hymn says a lot to me about how y you live out your faith. You know, about, um, Lord, take my hands and direct them. Mm -hmm. Do you know, and it's about listening for that and thinking, well, you know, what, what can my hands do? And since I came, started coming to this church, you know, I've been part of various teams and so on and so forth. And each of those has also nurtured my faith because they, they make you think about, you know, why am I doing this? Am I just doing this? You know, I could go and, I could go and work in the new arc or something. Mm -hmm. So why am I doing it through a church organization? Mm -hmm. So I think that it's, although the church is here to nurture and encourage and all those things, you've also got to want to think about why you're doing the things that you're doing, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's really important. And I think also that part of the nurturing of the church is the challenge that it offers as well. You've got to be, as I say, you've got to be thinking about why you're doing it, you know, um, not just sitting back and F following Jesus isn't about following. It's not just sort of sauntering mindlessly on, you know, it's about, um, it's about being active, an active follower mm -hmm. rather than a toddler on. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. It, it, it sounds a bit 
almost, it makes me think of, of education and being a student. If you show up to class and just sit and listen, but you're not taking an active part in your own learning and using it and integrating mm -hmm. into your life, you're not going to get. That, that, you, you I, can I show think up to class every day and you. Uh -huh. you and yeah. because education mm -hmm. nowadays is, is much more active, mm -hmm. you know, it's not. When I, I can remember writing an essay in my higher English exam, mm -hmm. which the title was Scotch Education. I telt you, I telt you. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, we've come a long way from that. And I think the mm -hmm. church has as well. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's all to the good. Yeah. Where do you see church and faith heading after the pandemic? Utahir. <laughs> um, um, I think, I, I am a huge believer that if, if you're going to be Christian, then worship is a huge part of that. Mm -hmm. And I get really narked about twice a year in the staff room, Christmas time and Easter time, mm -hmm. when folk will go, oh, when they go into the kirk for the end of term assembly, yeah. except obviously they say it in English, it's just me, it's as it <laughs> um, And um, you wonder, why are they bothering? Because they don't go to the church anyway. Why, why do they feel they need to come here mm -hmm. for that? Um, but I do believe that worship is a huge part of, of being Christian. But I also think that, you know, if you only worship, then you're not, being Christian or being maybe as Christian as you could be. I think each of us has a duty as well to, um, you know, be a fisher of men, if you like, you know, to, to, to spread our faith. And that's why when I get this, oh, why are we not going to the kirk, the kirk? And I'll say to them, well, I'll be there on Sunday, you come in, you know, and mm, it's funny, you know, I'm often a wee side rant here, but in, in, in schools, we have to teach RE, obviously, and nine out of ten teachers is far happier teaching what are called other world religions, so they can teach Islam, Sikhism, Buddhism, all of these things, but they cower at teaching Christi Christianity. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes, you know, we're guilty of thinking, oh, if they're in Kirk twice a year, that's it. And that's not it. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that was why it was really important to me that, that when we were in the period of vacancy, Ron and, and Lynn and, and Margaret were coming in and doing Christian assemblies. And because sometimes the kids get nothing if, if their parents aren't taking them to church, if their teachers aren't at least teaching them the basics of faith, mm -hmm. you know, um, like I had at Sunday school, when do they get it? Mm -hmm. You know, but oh, they, we can teach them about, you know, and it's, it, obviously it's important that we teach all world religions, but I just think, why are we so scared of teaching Christianity? Yeah, yeah. If, if our understanding of Christianity is you go along and get told to shush and sit and you, you don't have a good time, and, and then, yeah, of course you wouldn't want to teach that to kids, yeah. and so we almost need to reimagine how we even understand Christianity in order to teach it to kids mm -hmm. in the way that we would respectfully teach Islam or Buddhism or things like that, mm -hmm. where you actually try and understand what they're about rather mm -hmm. than just going, ah, Christianity is just all of them up moaning at the Kirk because uh -huh. the kids didn't come for the assembly or something, you it's know, a, but it, it, that's not, that's not. And kids are really quite ultimately. questioning. Mm -hmm. Do you know, some of them will ask why I wear the cross. Mm -hmm. um, and that's always a sort of good end to, to say, well, because it's a representation yeah. of what I believe and what I try to, and the life I try to lead. Um, but they're, they're really, really interested mm -hmm. if you're willing to just, you know, open up and, and speak to them about it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I do in my class is I, you know, how you have your classroom rules, you know, um, 
that every time they misbehave, you can say, did you keep rule seven there? Were you being respectful? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And one of my rules is that they don't blaspheme. You know, I don't like, and I tell them, I don't like you using God as an, oh God, I've got six of my maths wrong or whatever. And I say this to them, and, and that's usually quite a good in, mm -hmm. you know, to say, well, wh wh why is that important to you? Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's loads of ways you can teach your faith without being, you know, too didactic about it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so your, your last song that you've picked is See What a Morning, um, which we had uh, last week as well, and Ron told us a bit about his reasons for picking that hymn, and so mm -hmm. I... Um, we had a bit of a back and forth over email between Ron and myself and Mary and myself about... Actually, um, no. Can I interrupt there? Yeah, absolutely. Because you and Ron had a bit in back and forth, and I sulked. <laughs> I just... I, 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 I sulked online. I just mm -hmm. didn't reply to any of the emails. I thought, nah, <laughs> nay changing it. <laughs> um, and in the end, because my, my first instinct was, well, why couldn't we have two? And Well, we probably shouldn't. And Ron, Ron had mentioned the same. Well, we could have them both. And, and it did occur to me that... I think it would be really interesting to hear about the same hymn, but from two different people, because um, the, the story that Ron mentioned, the assembly as well, which you had mentioned, and, and I'll maybe let you tell your perspective on that, but um, we all are here singing the same songs, and I think we're all getting maybe different things out of them, and, and they mean different things to us. So um, tell us a bit about um, what this song means for you. Yeah, well, it... Mm -hmm. I did love Ron's story last week. For those of you who weren't here last week, Ron told the story about the time we sang this and there was a misprint in the second verse. So instead of see Mary weeping, it was see Mary weeing, um, <laughs> which was, you know, funny, but that's neither reason I picked it. Um, <laughs> it. It was, it did, the original reason, I suppose, came from that assembly. Um, in the period of vacancy, as I said, Ron and Lynn and Margaret and Janet actually came in and did um, assemblies at the school. And we had decided that we would come here at Easter time. And Alison had picked this, the resurrection hymn, that's See What I'm Morning. And um, we had practiced it a couple of times in school, but we were practicing in the dining room, which has got a very low ceiling. And we were only ever practicing like two or three classes at a time. And it sounded okay, and it, it was fine. But on the, the day of the assembly, I was up um, there, technophobe that I am, Sandy had written me an idiot's guide on how to show a PowerPoint, you know, up, up there. So um, I came in and oh, so confident in all the rest of it. And I was up there and the, I had a primary five at the time, so they were seated up there. But this, the rest of the, the church was full of kids. And I can remember Cormac sitting there and I can remember Ron appearing with these huge trainers, you know, with the tongues hanging out and his baseball cap back to front. And we sang Jesus Loves Me to Queen, you know, Jesus, Jesus loves me. And he's got all the kids clapping along and it was brilliant. <laughs> so the kids were kind of excited by the time we came to sing this. But when you're up there, you don't get a sense of what's happening down here. You know, I could see the miscreants that were turning and all the rest of it and twisting in their seats and so on. And I gave the evil eye to a couple of the primary sevens and, 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 and that. But, but when we sang this hymn, it was like the whole church erupted. And even sitting up in that box, you, the whole church just filled with a sound. And they weren't shouting it, they were genuinely singing it. But it just filled the kirk. And it just filled your soul. It really did. And I suppose... 
it was just, it was what I was saying earlier, kids are so resilient, but it was just this huge surge of positivity. And, you know, to come back, when, when my dad died, mum got me to write, you know, the card on the family wreath. And um, I chose a quote from Dylan Thomas, um, one of my favourite poets, and it was, Though lovers be lost, love shall not, and death shall have no dominion. And I wrote it then, and I knew it was, like, true for my mum, and I wasn't sure, really, as I said, if it was true for me, but I didn't know really if I believed that at that point. But after standing up there and the kids, this hymn, and just, there wasn't an adult in church came out that day that didn't go, whoa, that was powerful. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that sort of, just whoo, that this hymn does for me. And as Ron said, it's supposed to be sung victoriously, did you say? <laughs> and, it, it, and it is, it's, mm -hmm. just, it's just amazing. It's just my favorite. Um, it's not at my funeral though, so you'll be okay. <laughs> you get a different tea. Um, but it's just, mm -hmm. I, just, it just fills your soul, mm -hmm. really does. Excellent. Um, well, a round of applause for, for Mary. Thank you so much for Um, so we'll head back to our seats and we will all sing together, See What a Morning. <laughs>